to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptal, C70 The Bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird and A Medlock one on Twitter. And the Cardinals have given us a few things to talk about, and we're going to get to those for sure. But joining us tonight also is Jeff Goldman from Fox Sports Midwest, at least of right now. Um, and Jeff's in the public relations part. And Jeff, we're just glad to have you on tonight. Well, Daniel, it's it's great to talk to you. It's been a while uh, since you and I have chatted. Alan, great to talk with you, too. Uh, I feel like you're burying the lead in a big way by starting with me instead of the news and potential news of the day, but uh, but happy to be on with you guys. Well, it, it, that's, that's, that's what we call the teaser, because if we start early, too early, you know, people might tune out, I don't, and I don't want that, because I want them to hear about what you do. Um, let's Let's talk about the the basic parameters of your job just uh, to start off with. Sure. Well, I've been at Fox Sports Midwest for 20 years now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the director of communications. So I'm responsible for public relations, media relations, uh, internal communications and, and external communications with fans. And, uh, and like I said, media and including uh, folks like yourselves, podcasters, uh, bloggers, etc. So, um, so that's my job. Been there 20 years. And, and just to back up a little bit, I mean, your listeners being Cardinals fans are probably familiar with who we are, what we do at Fox Sports Midwest, but we're a regional sports network, one of, uh, one of 21 that are now owned by Sinclair Broadcast Group, were previously owned by what was uh, 21st Century Fox. And um, yeah, we, you know, the the easiest way to describe who we are is we're the television home of, of the home teams, man, in St. Louis. That means, of course, the Cardinals and the Blues, as well as the St. Louis University Billikens and Missouri Valley Conference. And then across the state on Fox Sports Kansas City, we have the Royals and Sporting Kansas City. And over in Indiana, we've got um, the Indiana Pacers and Indiana Fever and Indiana High School Association. So we televise live games. Yeah, I think that's something people don't necessarily realize is that yeah you've all three of those are kind of i mean all of all of those kind of are all loosely tied together but those three specifically are tied together enough together that you do the same job for all three right yeah all three uh, uh regional brands you could say but there are 10 offices like ours around the country fox sports southwest fox sports florida detroit ohio etc and there are also uh I don't know, at least a dozen regional sports networks across the country that aren't part of our group that are owned by Comcast or AT&T 
uh, and there are some independent ones as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a great business to be in for somebody who, you know, is, is a huge sports fan and an enormous baseball fan and has been a Cardinals <laughs> fan his entire life. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, as you guys probably know, in the television industry and in the media industry, you know, live sports is uh, live sports and news, but really live sports is really what drives the bus in the industry right now. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that um, that seems to be the only thing that, uh, that live TV is good for these days. It feels like um, at, at some degree, um, you said you've been there 20 years. How have you, I mean, besides probably the obvious of putting more things on the internet uh, and social media, how else has your job changed over that span? Sure. That's a big part of it, Daniel. You, you said it. And um, uh, my job, you know, it, um, yeah, it's a good question. The, the, the external media I deal with, that world has changed considerably. Um, newspapers have obviously, see, obviously seen a decline in circulation, um, and that's been picked up in some ways by by online um and but but you know in st louis especially i think the post dispatch is still very influential and now their jobs you know they're not just publishing for the newspaper uh every morning they're you know almost uh publishing 24 hours a day so those are the type of things that you have to think about now that are that are different than how they used to be um and, and then i think the other big thing that often gets overlooked, not not specific to my job, but to our business and televising local sports is that if you go back even 25 years ago, you know, maybe two thirds of the mm-hmm. local baseball, hockey and NBA games were televised. You had a big chunk of games that weren't on TV anywhere. And so when, uh, when Fox, Fox bought uh, its cluster of regional sports networks uh, and renamed them, rebranded them under the Fox brand in 1996, November 1st, 1996. And, and that was the start of a lot of uh, additional games being televised. So when I started in 2000, I think we televised, gosh, about a third of the Cardinals games, um, mm-hmm. maybe 50 or 60 games. And there were another 50 roughly on KPLR TV in St. Louis that were syndicated throughout the region. And then Gradually, uh, we started adding more and more games on Fox Sports Midwest and on regional sports networks throughout the country to the point where, uh, A, every game is now televised, which has been one of the great benefits of regional sports networks to fans is having every game available. And also uh, more of those games moving from uh, over-the-air TV stations uh, in some markets over to uh, the RSNs. Yeah, Jeff, we were, I'm located in here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I've lived my whole life in Eastern Oklahoma. And it's, it's funny when you bring that up, it doesn't seem like it was just 96 whenever the networks were taken over the way that we grew up watching baseball was the, the one-off Sunday game, Jay Randolph calling on the Sunday afternoon. But other than that, we got everything from the baseball weekly or KM, the KMOX newsfeed. So it's, when you said 20 years, I was thinking, well, let's see if you had the blue or if you had uh, St. Louis university and the Missouri Valley and whatnot, I was like, well, hell, heck Tulsa has been out of the Missouri Valley for probably close to 30 <laughs> years at this point. So, you know, time, just, time just flies. What was it like getting ready 
for the broadcast during a pandemic? Um, how much headway were you given? Did, did you know of anything or was it just kind of dumped in your laps all at one time? I, um, you know, a lot of things like the schedule, for example, you know, I don't know that mm-hmm. we were getting more, much more advanced notice than what you were reading. I mean, maybe a little bit more, we would hear rumors from our friends at the Cardinals and the Royals, but, um, uh, but it was just touch and go throughout. So uh, in that sense, not much more than the general public. Now, on the once we had a schedule, once Major League Baseball and the Players Association came together, finalized those plans for the 60-game schedule, um, by that point, we had already started planning for how we were going to have to produce games differently for the Cardinals and, and throughout the entire league and throughout all sports, really. Hockey and NBA being a little different because they were in the bubbles. And so with hockey and with the NHL and NBA, the leagues in conjunction with the RSNs and their national TV partners, the leagues provided what they called a world feed. So the leagues provided the video for the home and visitors broadcasts to customize, if you will, back in the home markets. So in the case of the blues, that feed was coming in from uh, Edmonton and our producer and director and graphics person and our announcer were at a studio in St. Louis. And, um, you know, our director still directing the game has camera cuts to choose from not quite as much as, as we would have uh, on a normal basis, but still able to make it very much look and sound like a blues telecast. And, um, and in many ways, the audience uh, would not have known that our crew was not there in Edmonton. So, and, and similar idea with baseball and the Cardinals. And that, that idea that, you know, if you didn't know better, you might not have known that the crew wasn't there on site for Cardinals road games. And part of that is a big part of it is a credit to our production crew, uh, our producer and director on Cardinals or Brian Shapiro and Tom Mee. Tom Mee's been doing it a long, long time. One of the best in the business. And then Dan McLaughlin and our team of analysts um, really kept the enthusiasm level up, which has got to be hard to do when you're doing a game from thousands of miles away without any crowd in the stands. So just to wrap up that thought for you, Alan, in, um, uh, in the case of baseball, it wasn't a world feed provided by the league. It was the home team regional sports network that was producing that video feed. So we had our guys for a home game. We had our people in a truck outside Bush Stadium like they normally would be um, and uh, producing that video and sending it not just for our guys, but for the uh, road team telecast as well. Wow. And, you know, it was I felt like the production and the the commentary was so good on road games that it made me nervous that that may be something that turns permanent, you know, at some point. Yeah. And I don't think anybody knows. And I mean, we don't know for sure uh, how things will play out, you know, two months from now. Is that what I'm yeah. Yeah, almost exactly two months from now, if uh, if April 1 is indeed on opening day. But um, but we'll be prepared for either uh, eventuality, traveling our announcers or not traveling them. And since the summer, we have since moved into new offices in St. Louis that include new control rooms, a uh, new studio. I, I, it's our Studio B. We'll still have the Studio A inside Ballpark Village, but it, it gives us um, a little more control. And, and uh, you know, we'll have an, a, a, 
half a season under our belt already of having produced uh, uh, remote telecast for road games if if we indeed uh, go that direction. Yeah, I was thinking about when you were talking about the, the truck, I you know, when we first met, I guess it's been 11 years ago now, we were fortunate enough to, to go around and see the, the back back truck and everything like that. I was wondering what Tom was doing with – I did he get free time in the games that weren't there or was he chomping at the bit that he didn't have the control that he normally does? Um, I, you know, we had very strict COVID protocols in the Mm -hmm. studio and and still do for the blues games that are going on right now. And so I was not actually present for any of those uh, uh, telecasts from the truck or from the studio, but um, I think they had enough options and, and, you know, Tom and those folks are used to, and Daniel, you got to see it in that mm-hmm. truck. You know, they are used to working in a high pressure environment where, you know, things don't always go perfectly, but, uh, but they rarely, uh, it rarely shows on, on our air. Yeah. And I will say like, like Alan was saying, I, I knew that there was supposed to be the world feed from, you know, both sides were getting the same feed, but you really, I don't think you could tell at all with the, the graphics and things of the way. And, you know, your own announcers there. Um, it really, it, it did feel like a, a Cardinals broadcast. Yeah. That's the goal. Keep it, uh, keep it the same, keep the enthusiasm level up. Um, it looks like fingers crossed. There will be at least a uh, percentage of fans in Bush stadium, which, um, uh, you know, which certainly, certainly will help everybody as well. How did, and I usually, I see this and I don't remember seeing it after the end of the season last year, it may not have been difficult to see, but how were the ratings for last year versus, um, years past? I know for a number of years, the Cardinals have been at least in the top three, uh, in their TV ratings. Was that about the same last year as well? Yeah. Cardinals were number four last year but we'll write that off as a uh, <laughs> aberration, a uh, obviously only a 60 game season. Prior to that, the Cardinals local TV ratings ranked in the top three in the league for 20 consecutive seasons, uh, a pretty amazing run of consistency. Um, the ratings were down a little bit last year, but if you look across sports during that period, July, August, September, when, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and NBA all came back. Uh, ratings were down substantially for a lot of that content. I think the NBA Finals, um, as well as the NHL Finals, may have been off about 40%. Kentucky Derby, some of the golf majors were seeing similar declines. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing so far here in early January 2021 is that that seems to be an aberration that could possibly be attributed to just the seasonality of it. You know, having, um, you know, having the NBA finals in September, October, whenever they were played, having the baseball season start in August instead of April. Because uh, what we're seeing now with the start of the NBA and NHL seasons is those ratings are pretty much back to normal. NHL ratings uh, across the country are actually up quite a bit and the blues are up about 30%. So um, getting back into their normal timeframes seems to be helping. 
Alan, did you have something you wanted? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 we're amateurs here. The uh, how much can the drop in ratings be attributed to all the Cardinals day games last year? Definitely a factor. Yeah, okay. um, it, it uh, just and Cardinals still rate fine during weekday afternoon games, but all those unusual two and three o'clock doubleheader starts definitely a factor. Man, it's crazy. Um. And this isn't just a last year issue. It's over the last few years. Obviously, people are starting to get the game in a little different fashion. It's not just through their TV anymore. Is that it, it reflected in the ratings at all? Is there a way to judge that? Um, we don't have the full data locally. I think some of that, uh, you know, some of that new measurement is measured my Nielsen on a national basis. I don't know enough about it, Daniel, to know how it's measured mm-hmm. on a, a local basis yet. But to your point, yeah, the, the, the media world is changing. You know, there have been some headlines in the past week um, with uh, NBC electing to shut down NBC sports network after this year and, and place that content you know, like NHL games and, NASCAR races on USA Network and on the NBC Broadcast Network um, and other similar stories like that. Uh, it, it it's changing. Streaming um, uh, is changing things, but um, like we talked about earlier, the live sports is is still uh, a critical part of the television bundle, and there's still the vast majority of of um, uh, television. Uh, viewers are, are getting it in, uh, you know, mostly traditional ways. Oh, and I, to go back a little bit about things that have changed in your job, one of those things has to be the immediacy of reactions from people. And if there is a mistake made, having to address that so quickly, I think back, it's probably what a couple of years ago now, uh, to the the little video that was put out on media one night about the outfield. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Dexter Fowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I saw somebody actually. It, it is one of those things. I saw somebody actually reference it again today for you know in passing. Uh, so it's always stood out there. But how do you how do you respond to that? You know, fast enough to that it maybe doesn't go everywhere. Yeah, the uh, and the Dexter Fowler video was probably just um, uh, not enough eyes saw that before it went live. One of those things um, where the intention of the producer was was not bad, but uh, uh, the execution um, caught a lot of attention, shall we say? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's it's mostly helpful, Daniel. Because, and I'll put it in a couple different buckets. Um, one is is content related, right? If we see uh, a significant amount of reaction to something that we put up on our social media feeds, or we show during the telecast, and we see a, a, an immediately very strong reaction to the good or to the bad, we know right away. Um, and sometimes there, those are things that can be changed, and sometimes they're not. The other area where it's helpful is just technical difficulties, you know, to use a, a old school term from um, 
uh, from our era, if you will. Right. Uh, you know, if like if, if something is wrong on our end from the technical side, we know it, but we send our, you know, our, our network out to hundreds of different cable systems and satellite systems and streaming providers uh, throughout the region. And so there could be something happening, uh, you know, with Cox cable in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or, um, uh, Mediacom cable in Columbia, Missouri, where they're having a technical issue and we're not, you know, we wouldn't otherwise be aware of it if we didn't have viewers on social media telling us that there was a problem. So, um, you know, the benefits outweigh the negatives there. That's good. And, it, and you know, I, I, like I said, I, I sometimes feel for whoever has to monitor the, the Fox sports uh, Twitter f- mentions at times, but uh, yeah, I can see how that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, let's talk about if what we can talk about. And again, I know there are issues that we aren't going to be able to deal with tonight, but this week it was, you know, officially announced that Fox Sports Midwest will become Bally's Midwest. How much, I mean, if you can tell already, will that do anything more than change the name right now? Yeah, well, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm not the right person to, to talk real in-depth about it. And there will be, you know, more news, uh, you know, more that we'll all learn about it in the next you know, coming months, uh, next couple of months. But um, uh, that was, it, you know, that was a big piece of exciting news for us that um, the network will be rebranded Valley Sports Midwest. Uh, it will happen in the coming months. Uh, there have been a couple of reports that indicate that it will happen uh, prior to the start of the baseball regular season. So, um, so big news, uh, like you said, Daniel. You know, new name, new logo, and then you'll also see a new graphic look and that type of thing. So, uh, it, it won't just be won't solely be a cosmetic change to the name and the logo. Um, you know, you'll see visible changes uh, on the air too. And that's it. And I had, when you say that, I actually hadn't thought about it, but it always seemed to me, maybe I'm wrong, but like we could watch Fox, the big Fox on maybe the postseason and their graphics mm-hmm. would then flow over to the next season onto the RSNs. Yes. Um, I guess that won't be the case anymore now that there, there's that separation. That's correct. Yeah. Hmm. It'll be a new unique graphics package. That should be something to look forward to then I think, because I mean, not that, there was anything wrong with it, but you know, new graphics are always fun, at least for, at least until we complain about them. Is that, uh, a, is that a welcome change on your part to where you don't have the mothership type situation? Um, no, I, I mean, you know, Fox were, was great owners and Sinclair has, has been, uh, has been so far too. We're a year and a half into cool. uh, being part of the Sinclair broadcast group world. So, um, so, you know, I wouldn't look at it that way. I would, uh, I think the refresh of the on-air look will, will be great. And, um, and not just the graphics and music, but what, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've got this new second studio has a giant monitor wall uh, behind the talent will allow us to do things. Eventually we're just kind of scratching the surface right now, but it will allow us to do things like telestration and, um, and there's an interview monitor where we can do live interviews between our broadcasters and a, a player, for example. So a lot of neat features that uh, that will get carried over into the telecast sooner or later. Well, it should be should be fun. Um, 
man, I think I had a question and I think I lost it. Oh, well, it'll come back around to me somewhere along the way. Um, we are starting to roll into another season, hopefully soon. Hopefully, like you say, hopefully April 1st. Um, does a quiet winter, which it was up until today, <laughs> do anything for y'all or is it really much, you know, it's Cardinal baseball. It kind of sells itself. Um, I think, you know, it, the, the viewership for Cardinals baseball is so consistent. The fan base is so, uh, consistently engaged and, um, and that's known, uh, in the St. Louis community. It's known in the business community. So I don't know that it is a huge factor one way or the other. Um, you know, might, might be more of a factor in, in other markets. Take San Diego, for example, Mm -hmm. the Padres big year fun team last year, they saw a huge jump in ratings last year, not surprisingly. And with everything they've done this off season, wouldn't surprise me if they saw another big bump uh, in 2021. Will the, uh, will the changeover in, uh, in, and ownership. Well, I guess it's been almost two years at this point. And with the, the COVID combined, how will that affect the spring training coverage? Um, don't know yet. I, I don't know that. Uh, Cause if you go back last year, we last year, COVID interrupted spring training, mm-hmm. but we were already under the Sinclair umbrella at that point. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, it, we're, we're putting our spring training plans in place right now. We anticipate a, similar number of games, probably the same 15 that we did last year. Perfect. Uh, what we don't know yet is how the pro- COVID protocols will affect, uh, you know, what other content we gather from spring training, mm-hmm. how we produce those spring training games. Um, so still up in the air. We'll obviously, uh, well, we'll hopefully get decided in the uh, next month. Right now we're, you know, planning for um, an on-time start to spring training. Um, boy, you know, and again, I know so much of this, we would talk about, you know, promotion and things like that. And that's not necessarily completely in your bailiwick, but, um, um, you know, we've got Adam Wainwright signing today. We have Yadier Molina in, it sounds like probably going to sign within the pretty soon when he gets done in the Caribbean. Um, is there a... I don't know what, maybe a desire to focus on those two guys being that it, of course we say this about every year could be their last time in St. Louis. That's a great question, Daniel. I, I don't know that we've thought about that yet. We had an episode, we do a weekly show during the off season called Cardinals Warm Up, And we had a mm-hmm. new episode last night that was kind of looking back at the Yadier Molina highlights of 2020. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, we already celebrate those guys quite a bit and that would, uh, I would assume ramp up even more, uh, if, you know, if they announced that it was their final season, but, um, you guys know as well as anybody that, uh, they look like they could play a few more. And, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yet to be determined. Yeah. Well, are you, what are you looking forward to? in this coming year. I mean, again, hopefully we're getting to that point where at least by mid season, we're, 
quote back to normal. Is it just the the daily interactions with people that you're kind of missing over this COVID time? Yeah, I think so. I missed the cat. I know mm-hmm. he was on the show last week. Yep. And uh, well, I, what'd you guys talk about with him? Uh, he told stories, which cat can do uh, pretty well. Uh, and talked about, uh, we also talked about Stella a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, you got to talk about the dogs, but uh, yeah, Jim just kind of taught us a lot about his, um, about his career and about his time in St. Louis and, um, and how he approaches regional cable journalism. Um, and it was, it was fun. And again, like I told you, he called you the smartest person in the room. He likes to talk programming with you. So, um, you know, that seemed like a ringing endorsement to us. Well, uh, he is, uh, too kind. Uh, the cat is great. You've spent some time with him, Danny. You know, you mm-hmm. know he's got. Um, yeah, I, the, I think the cat's pretty funny on air, and I think he's even funnier off the air. And <laughs> I enjoyed his Twitter feed the last couple hours. I think his day started with a tweet about the scoop. There it is, Geico commercial, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, most recently gotten a little more serious into the Arenado. Uh, uh, speculation. So, um, anyway, I getting back to your question. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, for the most part, we are still, you know, in a work from home environment. And so, yeah, you miss your coworkers, you miss being able to go to the ballpark and, uh, seeing fans and seeing people from the team, seeing the other media. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing. One of the things that I enjoy, but is frustrating uh, as being a Cardinals fan is how tight lipped they are and how little stuff leaks out. Do you ever get any, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. Do you ever get any leaks before they go public? Uh, no, as far as team wise, I mean, not it's, on anything important, Alan, like, no. uh, yeah. So, um, it, now there may be some people in our production department who sometimes will get a little, uh, jump on something that so that they can start preparing it for TV. Yeah, but, that's what. Uh, yeah, me personally, not so much. Yeah, I mean that that would be as as tight lipped as they as they are and they have been. It would be tough on your end to try to put stuff together there at the last minute, but exciting nonetheless. I'm sure. We um, well, I'm curious. What you? I mean, did you know? Were you surprised this morning when you woke up and saw Ken Rosenthal's story about Nolan Arenado? Well, it was a weird situation because my notifications went off about midnight last night. (laughs) And uh, it was one of those to where you naturally kind of think, not not again. But then you're thinking, wait a second, that's a pretty reputable source. And uh, it was, it was, yeah, I I mean, I, I went to bed thinking, well, we'll see where this goes. And then I woke up fairly excited. And then I watched, uh, while working, I, I was able to, I, I'm at the house a lot of the time too. And I watched MLB network and that basically let off everything, which, which was, uh, you know, really got the blood flowing. <laughs> yeah. And obviously we don't know uh, how that will play out, but, um, uh, I mean, shoot in, in the current media environment, I give the Cardinals a lot of credit for, you know, most of the time being able to, uh, keep these kind of things under wraps and not tip their hand. Oh yeah. It's, it's, that's the thing is you, I feel like any leak that, that you hear that's Cardinals related, 
I would always assume that's probably for the agent, for the player, and definitely not from the organization. I mean, because they that hardly ever seems to uh, to happen to the Cardinals. Uh, I agree. Yep. The uh, so in a situation like today, when they they announced the you know it happened yesterday where they announced the Wainwright signing, and is there any part of it that you that you miss about maybe having Wainwright come in and do instead of a zoom call like they had today do a in at a press conference and in in a in-person situation you feel like a player's owed that that's been here forever that that you kind of miss that you can't do that now in today's COVID environment maybe a little bit it's probably a better question for our production people and I think what um what Dan McLaughlin Scott Warman Jim Hayes and Erica Weston, you know, the four who have them uh, of our group who probably have the most interaction with players. I think they would tell you that not, not the press conference setting necessarily, Alan, but just being able to talk casually with the players uh, or formal interviews with the players, you know, during batting practice or before, yes. before whatever. I, I think they would tell you that, yes, there is something missed not being able to do that and getting a better understanding from those players and the coaching staff and the manager, uh, what's happening on the field. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. Basically, uh, the cat said word for word, what you just did about, uh, how he missed the, uh, the interaction with the players every day. He felt like that that was missed a little bit this year. And that's kind of how he, how he's remained in the business of just the interaction and meeting guys and, you know, with his, his background with his dad and whatnot. And he, 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 it's funny. It was almost verbatim to what you, what you had just mentioned. So is there any benefit and would you like to see a see? Well, as a fan, I know you would like to see this, but is there, do you have anything special for a last raw type situation for a a Molina and a Wainwright? If, we certainly would if uh, we get to that point. Haven't planned it out yet. Yeah, but, sure. um, but I, I could see doing a, you know a thirty minute special on uh, either or both of those guys, like we did. Uh, I think we did one hour specials on Lou Brock and Bob Gibson after their passing. And I, I know this is a, a very different situation. It, it, you know, um, but uh, they've certainly earned that. Uh, uh, and, and I think it would be something that would be enjoyed by Cardinals Nation. And, um, you know, as we uh, and we didn't really dig into it, but, uh, you know, with the, the rebrand to Bally's, um, you know, you, you'll you'll start to see new and additional programming uh, on the regional sports networks, too. And um, we don't know yet what form that will take. But, um, uh, you know, it's kind of an opportunity for all of us in our office to think more about uh, what programming opportunities may be out there. Oh, that sounds exciting. That's, and, you know, and I had kind of forgotten about the, I mean, it's, it's kind of terrible for me to say about the, the Brock and Gibson aspect of it, of things that were kind of missed last year that, that, you know, fans probably would like yeah. to have seen on the field. So yeah, that's exciting stuff. I mean, that's, that's part of the benefit, the beauty of having the, uh, the the cable package for me of uh, you know go ahead and upgrading and, and paying for the uh, regional networks I'm lucky enough to where I get a lot of the the games here in Tulsa anyway but some of the post game and, and pre and post game coverage that that you get is just second to none and I know that 
some people say that the regional networks can it's it's made it such a a uh, regional baseball regional sport i don't know if i could have it any other way i really enjoy it and i would much prefer your guys broadcast over any national coverage thanks it um you know our people our our crews throughout our region they 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 take it seriously they know how many people are watching and how many people care about the cardinals and the blues and the royals and the pacers and uh and they're really invested in uh in putting a good product on the air and and they know that um uh they don't have to water it down for our fan base either right it's a knowledgeable fan base um that knows the history knows the game and it allows our guys uh to go a little deeper yeah that's and i think the hard work and passion shows off in the broadcast and and uh you know i I, it, it's second to none, you know, in my eyes. So, well, Jeff, Thank we're you. at 35 minutes and, and <laughs> I appreciate it. And we appreciate you coming on. I think we've lost Daniel. So uh, we were going to, uh, you know, it's, he kind of runs kind of the, the, the show board behind the, behind the scenes. So I'll let you go. And I just want to really, really thank you for jumping on with us tonight. No, it was great catching up with you guys. Um, we'll talk more. Uh, and you had the cat on last week and, uh, um, hopefully get uh, more of our broadcasters on Erica, Scotty, uh, some of the other folks um, as we get closer to the start of the season. Oh, they perfect. We'd love to do that. And we appreciate the, uh, appreciate the offer. Appreciate it. All right. Thank thanks, you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks to Jeff for joining us tonight. Um, I, am an idiot and i accidentally kicked my internet off while at the end of that so alan and jeff got to break some big news about the trade um but as you have no doubt know by the time you're listening to this uh nolan arenado is a cardinal uh the cardinals give up well alan they just don't give up much it doesn't feel like yeah they whenever you know nothing I, I, I guess we have to say that nothing is is necessarily official yet, but uh, mm-hmm. or at least the return is not. Uh, whenever I saw that they were sending significant money back, I was afraid that the trade was going to maybe hurt a little bit right. and have some names on there. Uh, to be honest with you, if you can make the trade and do it and give away and keep ninety nine point nine percent of your pitching, you're you've made a, a, almost a steal in my eyes. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, this one's not going to hurt and you still keep Carpenter. Yeah. You, you kept Fowler. I thought they would have to trade one of those immovable contracts and, and, and early reports are that that's not the case. Yeah. And now let, let's see. This is from Ken Rosenthal. Um, the names eight. And he does say possibly right here. I, I didn't quite, mm-hmm. I think we kind of glipped over that. It's, it's, it's not confirmed, but it's sounding like Austin Gomber. Luke and Baker, Jan Torres, and then either Jake Woodford or Angel Rondon. Um, again, there are some questions about the Cardinals' rotation. And Austin Gomber looked really good at the end of last year. I know he's looked good. I think that he's a guy that could have helped with the Cardinals this year. That being said, there's no guarantee he was going to have a spot in the rotation this year, right? I mean, Flaherty, Michael is coming back. You've signed Wainwright. You've got Martinez, and you've got Kim. And, and while all those guys have questions, and you'd like to have a guy like Gomber as that bullpen 
swing starter type of thing. If that's the worst thing that you give up, and I know there's a lot of excitement maybe about Jan Torres, but he's still a few years away. If that's the only major league piece that you give up for a guy like this, that's huge. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's. I felt like it would hurt even if the uh, even if the money was was more heavily toward the Cardinal side. Mm-hmm. That I felt like they were going to have to give something up for it for a player of of uh, like Arenado. And yeah, you, you've got to be happy with this one. Um, you know, in all honesty, I really liked Gomber and I thought he was going to be a quality, you know, big league pitcher, mm-hmm. but that's what the Cardinals can do. They can develop pitching and they've shown that. And to be able to move th- that arm to get this player. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, now I guess we, you know, to temper this, trying to keep, there's so much excitement about this. And it absolutely should be um, because this is, this is huge for the Cardinals and, and we can get it. We're going to get into what this all means, but I did notice that he is not as of right now, um, waving his opt out or moving his opt out. So there is a possibility that 2021 is the only year he's a Cardinal. I don't think it's a really strong possibility. I think that Cardinals are an organization that he would want to be in, uh, even, you know, and the fact that I don't know that he could get that kind of money if he opt out. Um, But there is that possibility. It feels to me, I mean, the Cardinals are getting, what, $50 million from the Rockies. Even if you lose just these, these four names, these names for one year, Aranato, I think that's even worth it. And it, the fact that you may have him for farther on is, is almost icing. Sure. Now it's one of those to where it's, um, it is a situation where I would think that the Cardinals probably have a little bit of, uh, idea whether he will opt in or opt out or, you know, how they can maneuver around that. But, you know, honestly, right now, I mean, well, early in the season, I would have said it was a slam dunk right now. I feel like there's more money going through baseball than, than we were led to believe. Mm-hmm. And um, it would have almost been crazy for him to opt out because he probably wouldn't have gotten that anywhere else. So, you know, I don't know if that's the gamble. I'm curious to see if they uh, if they covered their back on that and we're actually going to know that that he is not. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I you know, again, <sighs> it's just, I mean, it's just big. And I think, I mean, goodness, this, you and I, we both lived through the Scott Rowland era when he was coming from Philadelphia to St. Louis mm-hmm. feels a lot like that. Doesn't it? Sure. I mean, a guy that, that wasn't really happy with where he was at, you know, obviously he's a Roland type player when the fact that he's got the, the power, but also the amazing glove this. And we, and we knew because Roland was in the last year of his contract too, wasn't he? I think he was. That's why they were trading. Yeah, really, um, yeah he was, it wasn't a situation. Yeah. Yeah, they, they signed an extension like soon after. I yeah. don't think he made it free agency, but it was one of those situations where you knew that player fit in St. Louis. I mean, it just had to be. In fact, I'm still amazed that how that ended badly for a guy that should have been should have been a Cardinal till he left. I mean, you know, he should never have wanted to leave. He should have done that till he retired. Um, but that's another story. But still. That's what Nolan feels like for here, right? I mean, he feels like a guy that is going to fit in so well that he's going to be here for that whole contract and maybe beyond if he wants to play more. Yeah, it would seem sometimes the fit is just a little too perfect. 
you know, and the, and the timing's just right. How we kind of felt like that would have been the situation with the, with the Giancarlo Stanton a few years ago where that just filled the whole, you know, mm-hmm. I, you may have dodged a bullet on that one. This yeah. one feels natural. I don't know why. You know, I think that even to bring on a player, I always have a theory that the Cardinals are never going to sign a player whose contract begins with a 3-0. But I don't think they're going to have any issues doing it like this. And I think that this is just the route that they're going to they're going to be. And this kind of feels like the Cardinals of four or five years ago. You know, maybe longer than that. You know, back to what they were instead of the, you know, the draft and, and develop hardcore like we've seen in the past four or five years. Yeah. Um, wow, this is, this is exciting. And it's, I mean, you put him with Paul Goldschmidt and you look at a team that two years ago had – little to no star power and and Goldschmidt's a great player he's I guess you would call him a star it's he's not one of those that's gonna you know maybe make imaginations pop but Arnado is um you know just and put those two guys on the corners um like we were talking earlier you know if you can if they could somehow find a way to bring back Colton Wong and that may not be possible with all this but if they could find a way to bring back Colton Wong that infield would be amazing. And, um, you know, you've got, if you have Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill playing in the outfield, I mean, you got a lot of gold glove possibilities for a team that wants to be a pitching and defense type of team, even though they've just added a huge bat. Well, and, and, you know, think about the situation where, you know, a gold glove center fielder is a great have on it, you know, a gold glove, not necessarily bat center fielder right now. Yeah, you, that's valuable when you have the middle of the order of the Cardinals. Well, now, you know, it, yeah. it's pretty crazy what a superstar <laughs> does to you. Yeah. And when you take this move, I mean, look, the Cardinals, uh, what, <laughs> 24 hours ago, a little bit more than that were probably the favorite to win the division, but it was kind of close. It was still to talk. Sure. Then you brought in Adam Wainwright and you felt, okay, you start, even if you just bring back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, you're still probably better than the rest of the central that's been, you know, shedding players to bring in a guy like this is dropping it. I mean, it has even more of an impact when you look at the fact that how weak the rest of the division is and they're going to be playing those teams. I mean, not as much as they played them last year, but I mean, percentage-wise. But, you know, it's an unbalanced schedule. If you can pile up the wins against the Pirates and the Reds and maybe the Brewers and maybe the Cubs, depending on what they finish doing, you know, you could get to 90, 92 wins without much trouble. And then you get to the playoffs, and this is a team now that looks at least like a contender. Sure. In, in the playoffs, it did not look like that two way two days ago. Oh no! I mean, if, a couple of days ago they were cheap and they were sacrificing this year for the free agent pool and free money they had for next year. You know, mm-hmm. and and we've been on the show and and I know there's media outlets that have said the same thing. Where when things get back to normal, the Cardinals are going. Bush is going to be packed and their money's going to come back. Uh, strike now, and you're not going to lose too much, if anything at all. And uh, they seem to do it, and it's uh, yeah. What a what a what a whirlwind twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, it's and, and it just felt like 
I don't know to to your December 2019, right? When when they or 18, I guess now when they traded for um, Goldschmidt, that kind of buzz built during the day, or or over maybe two days to the point where you really kind of felt like it was going to happen. It wasn't just a speculation. It really felt like this was going to happen again, because it was a player that the Cardinals would want and a situation where they needed something. That's kind of the way today felt a little bit with, um, yeah, with all the news coming out. It just, it it almost felt like an inevitable Exactly. Well, and it was funny because my, I think my, my notifications went off last night at about midnight and I kind of thought, oh, here we go again. I was like, wait a second. That was Rosenthal. And I was like, he doesn't put that out there, you know, with this is probably not grain of salt territory, but, but we'll kind of see where it goes. And man, by the time that you and I had talked, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock this morning, then you know, MLB Network that it was the lead story. I was thinking for the Cardinals to be so tight lipped, and for this to kind of to leak out there, there is, there's obviously a little bit of momentum towards something happening. Now, I, you know, anybody that listens to this may be offended that I say this. I didn't have a lot of confidence in the Rockies front office to follow through and see how this played out. I was a little worried about the Braves and I was really worried about the Dodgers. If the, if everybody knew that, that air, that air was available. And I thought mm-hmm. we're going to get this, we're going to get to get the knife through the heart on this situation. And guess kind of had that feeling, like you said, that, that there's probably a lot going into this. Let's, let's mm-hmm. see how it goes. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. And I don't, I think I can probably speak for you that it happened tonight, you know, especially how the day has yeah. gone on. It did feel like a little bit like if it didn't happen in 24, maybe 48 hours, it probably wasn't going to happen. But I think maybe it's just the fact that it was coming from so many places that, that it was like, it wasn't just Ken Rosenthal writing a story that says the Cardinals are interested. It was Ken Rosenthal writing a story that they're talking. And then the, you know, a guy from the, you know, the Denver post saying, well, they're talking, but it's, you know, it's 50, 50 or, and then you got, you know, Jason Stark talking about the players had been buzzing about possibly getting him it, it was four or five respected sources it you didn't just hang your hat on a rumor it really felt like there was at least some smoke to that or fire to that smoke um wow uh, it, it's it's still you, t- you start thinking about all of this it's just amazing but you know huge hat tip to the front office because you know <laughs> I don't want to play poker against them because they slow play like crazy. Um, but to to then come out with such a, you know, it's like, you know, you, you had a you had your aces and you slow played and then throw them down um, there at the end and 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 rake the pot. It's just amazing, and I know you got to feel like you know John was like, look, and you know we know he keeps track of the blogs, he keeps track of Twitter. Um, I, he doesn't let that rule him, but he, he has an idea what's going on out there. And you know, he was kind of getting tired of getting beat around on those, on those, those places, especially when, you know, something like this was probably in the works for, it didn't just happen today. I mean, it's been in the works for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could probably draw a line did it, it has gone on, you know, 12, 15 months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I say that, I mean, that that's shooting a little high, but uh, I, obviously, I mean, it's, Whenever you see, was it, who made the comment about, oh, Jason Stark, another reputable, who mm-hmm. said that, uh, 
Cardinals players have been buzzing about this for weeks. You know, you're thinking, well, yeah. I mean, this is they, they may have started this process of getting deep into this around December. Right. Well, and I mean, there was a lot of smoke about the Cardinals being kind of close on a trade right before last spring training. Remember, um, you know, there was this idea, you know, because because Arenado and I'm going to I'm still working on it. I know we have a, a message on our reviews and when we, and we always want you to write and review. But uh, back when we were talking at some point in time, I have butchered his name and I'm still working on it. <laughs> Hey, you're a numbers guy. You're a numbers guy. I mean, I'll call him. Give a guy a break. You know, maybe I'll just start calling him Nolan. Like, yeah, go ahead. Um, But um, anyway, and now I've got distracted. It's uh, I don't remember what I was saying, but um, yeah, we'll get back to it. But um, anyway, it's uh, it's it's an exciting time. Now, you're right. They did not send. Dexter Fowler, which I really felt like was a probable going to happen just to help balance the books a bit. They didn't send Matt Carpenter. Um, what are you looking at for this lineup this year? I mean, wh- what is your initial feeling with what we have right now, assuming Yadier Million is back, which I think we can fairly safely assume. Um, how do you look at this team? I, I, as in how I would, would I line it up or yeah oh, yeah man i mean i would think that you could probably safely go a combination of edmund carpenter to lead off i think you're gonna see carlson hit second i think you're gonna see nolan hit third and i think you'll see goldschmidt clean up uh which i think that lines up just like anybody who listens to us if you get the young in a non-pressure situation where he's hitting fifth or sixth every night I can see DeYoung having a huge year now. I would go DeYoung five. I'd probably go Molina six. Uh, I think you probably have a situation where you probably go uh, Fowler in an eight spot and a in probably Bader as low as you can. If if you have a DH, I do wonder if they're not going to be inclined to lead off Carpenter and let and have him be the everyday DH as well. Uh, I mean, I, as far, I yeah. well, here's the deal. As far as profile yeah. goes, that's the guy that you would want to do it. Now that also goes back to, you know, his strength is going to be taking pitches and walking. That's, I like Edmund to spark the offense, but he doesn't get on base that much. And that's fair. Uh, I think that, and that's one of those reasons that you'd kind of like to see them go back and get, you know, come back and circle back to Colton Wong and say, Hey, you know what you, you know, um, you know, Carpenter had a three twenty five on base last year. You know, if he could hit a little bit more that on base obviously goes up some, I don't think the walk rate is, uh, I don't feel like it has declined a lot over the last few years. So it's declined some, I still hesitate to put him there, but you're right. I mean, unless, I don't know. I don't think that works though. I was going to say maybe you do the do the damage thing. Get Car- get Dylan Carlson to be your leadoff hitter, um, a guy that can draw some walks, but you know also put one out of the ballpark. Well, um, yeah, and he has. You know, I know, I know. You could read read between the lines a lot in minor league baseball when guys are leading off because mm-hmm. they want to give them as much exposure as they can. Right. But he obviously has done it. 
Yeah. I don't think, you know, again, I'm not advocating for that because I think you're right. If you could put him, oh, put him third, maybe even, well, second probably. Because I don't think you could have, I don't know what else you would do, but yeah, he probably bats second and you have Goldie behind him and if Nolan fourth and DeYoung fifth. Sure. I, that's, that, that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of runs being scored the first inning with those guys. There should be. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can, if you hit a Carlson in front of an Arenado Goldschmidt type situation, mm-hmm. boy, he's going to have a pretty good year too. That's, I think that this relieves the pressure on so many guys to where you can see some career years back to the 25 homer, 25 doubles plus out of DeYoung. Because I, I just feel like he's miscast as that two, three, four hitter for them sometimes. You yeah. Know, he's got, yeah. he's learning shortstop on the, on the fly. And, you know, he's a but, I'm a way above average shortstop with massive power. I mean, that's tough to get. I just don't, I, I just hated how he was given the responsibility to hit in the middle of the lineup on that. I, I just think he could thrive in a situation like this. Yeah. I don't, <clears throat> you know, I'm, of course, his strikeouts have been an issue, of course. A lot of, not that that's unheard of on sure. baseball, but yeah, I don't like him any higher than fifth. Um, you know, I, Love it if he could hit six, but I don't think yeah, there's yeah, an I option. <clears throat> I just don't see there's another option there, unless uh, you know if you brought Wong back and you went Wong, Edmund, Goldschmidt, um, Nolan, um, Carlson, then no. five. I, I just. Yeah, I'd rather him up. I'd rather him in the second hole too. I get you, but that's about the only way I could see them moving to young down to six. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, you know, if you get some sort of average year out of Dexter Fowler, if you get some sort of, even some sort of average year out of Matt Carpenter, and I'm just not even an average Matt Carpenter year, but just an average year, something sure. that's much better sure. than we've seen the last two years. Um, if you get a little bit more of what we saw to Harrison Bader at the very end of the season, um, all of a sudden that lineup gets real deep. And yeah, there's some pitching questions, but there's a lot of pitching talent there too. I mean, if everybody's, I mean, everybody, it's, it's kind of that thing, you know, if, 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 but if everybody, if the possibilities of everybody doing what they can do, this team, yeah. I mean, I don't know that they're ready to take on the Dodgers, but they could give the Dodgers a fight. And the Dodgers, you know, you see the Cardinals coming in the postseason. That's never exactly what they want to see. Yeah, that's uh, – I think that, you know, when everything is finalized and, and we figure out, uh, you know, what's going where and we could kind of yeah, just leave out the fog a little bit. I think that uh, when everything's established, I think you'll see some some years out of guys that, that are decent that – are going to look a lot better just because you have that other superstar that you know is going to put mm-hmm. up numbers. You know, yeah. that's, I feel like you could see a situation if Fowler plays as much as we think it is, or if they deploy it right, you know, to where Fowler never plays against the left-hander again. And, 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 uh, you know, takes the, there's some kind of split between he and Bader, not necessarily in the center field, but in the outfield right. somewhere. Right. If you right. maximize that, I, you can could, you could see good years out of both of them. And, I mean, the chips seem to be falling into place to make them a, a, a darn good lineup. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, really. And, I mean, you know, again, I guess the other way you could see 
DeYoung slide down is if Tyler O'Neill has a good year. Because if he has a year where he's at least making contact and the power that he has, you could put him at a five. I mean, you do run him and DeYoung together, you do run the risk of a lot of those runner at third and two strikeout type of things. But, you know, we've seen O'Neill's power. If he could hit 20 homers, you know, maybe he maybe he's a fifth guy. And you move. All I know is this, Yadier Molina doesn't need to hit the top five. So um, and hopefully this keeps that from happening. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, I get, I don't, I mean, there's so many different options and we, again, we don't, we are just what, well, the deal's not even finalized. I mean, the deal's not going to be finalized probably for this weekend, just because of all the money that's involved and no, so I will officially waive his no trade, but that's got to kind of be a formality, right? I mean, he's not holding this up on a no trade. Um, I think he would, it wouldn't have gotten this far without that. Right. Yeah. I would think that's what it is at this point. I would think there's a lot of, of corporate red tape they're jumping through, you know, mm. to where uh, will he or won't he be able to flex out of that opt-out? Uh, yeah. What, uh, you know, and, and more things that I'm sure that they're jumping through. But I, I just can't imagine it getting this far if that wasn't one of the first things they had discussed. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, it, it really feels some degree, I mean, when you look at it this way, is... The Cardinals are that kid that goes, the assignment is given out the first day of school. It's due at the end of the semester and the night before they're writing that paper and they get an A on it. That's kind of what this office feels like, right? Because they have waited for so long and now Wainwright, Arnado, going to probably get Molina. Um, you know, I assume... I, I don't know. Is there anything else that they can or should do? I feel like, you know, we were talking about what do they do with the DH and maybe they have to get a Brad Miller. Well, that's kind of solved, which is good. Um, I don't know that there's anything. Else. I mean, they may pick up some sort of insurance arm somewhere along the way, but I don't think that they have anything to do. It's, it's kind of funny. You know, what was it a week ago? that Jim Bowden over at the athletic ranked all gave all the teams their grades and he gave it an F to the Cardinals. Cause they hadn't done anything by now. I think it's an A is it? Is it? I mean, is oh, it, does, yeah, I mean, is this one day will make an A? Oh, I would think so. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you're bringing on a superstar. I mean, you're bringing yeah. on a perennial gold glove winning superstar. I mean, that's, I don't know how much better that can get. Yeah. You, you, you arguably, and maybe a, a heavy argument, have the best third baseman and first baseman in baseball. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's tough. I mean, you know, Freddie Freeman fans are going to, going to clamor for that. And that, and there's a handful of others, others that will. And I'm sure the, the Chapman fans may push back in Oakland, but that's in Oakland. And that's, mm-hmm. that's tough to top. Yeah. Um, are you concerned with the course field splits? No. No, I'm not. That's I. You would be surprised. I am more concerned right now about the dotted line. You know, everything being finalized at this point than I am about performance because there's a too good to be true feeling right now to me. And not that I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously, there's there's enough smoke at this point to where it just feels like this is inevitable. But uh, but no, as far as performance, I'm not worried about that at all. Especially for him. Uh, that's uh, 
I, I think that kind of gets blown out of the water a little bit. And I think Holiday did that as well. Um, so, no, that's not necessarily a concern of mine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's going to be as great overall statistically as he has been. But I do think he's going to be better than like his road numbers have looked like. I think when he's adjusted to, you know, not having to deal with that mile high versus not mile high and switching around, I think it'll it'll even out somewhat. See a tweet here um, from 15 minutes ago. So it's since we started this section of the of the recording from Ken Rosenthal says that if the deal is finalized, Arnado keeps his 21 opt out also gets a 22 opt-out. Um, again, I don't see him opting out after 21 just because, I mean, one, I think he's going to like it, but two, nobody's going to pay that money. I, 22 could be a different story, I guess, right? I mean, um, I don't think he would. I think he's, I think he's going to, because, I mean, the Cardinals are definitely the, the favorites in the NL Central this year probably next year it does give him the option i think he's maybe a little bit burned by what happened in colorado um because the cardinals have a lot of money less money now but still have a lot of money coming off the books and have some payroll flexibility at the end of 2021 and if they don't look like they want to win it gives him a chance to get out but i don't think that's the case i mean we that's one of the things we know about the cardinals they they may not do everything we think they should do, but they do enough to at least make them think that they're going to win. And if they think they're going to win, I think he's going to feel like they're going to win. Um, I don't worry too much about those opt-outs, but it is interesting that they've added one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I I'm excited to see the finalized deal on this and what, mm-hmm. you know, legally they could do and what the players union can allow you to drop an, an opt out or whatnot, because there was some of those situations with the A-Rod contract, you know, some 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, it, it'll be interesting to see now if I'm doing my math, right. If they are, if Colorado is sending $50 million back to the Cardinals, doesn't mm-hmm. that make, Arenado's contract similar to the twenty five twenty six of Goldschmidt. Uh, probably depends on how, but yeah, I would think so. Let's see. And wouldn't that now? It was funny, and what's crazy about it is you also have two huge contracts coming off the books next year as well. So it's not as outlandish as it seemed a bringing over a $35 million a year player. Yeah. It's a hundred. If you take that out, it'd be 149 million over what? If he stayed the whole time, five years, six years. If it's six, I don't remember how much longer that deal runs for. If it's six, it's 24.8 million. Um, if it's five, I think it's five. I think you get it. Well, I think you get him through his 30 through 35 season. So that would be either. Six seasons, I think. Five it's six, six and yeah, okay. it's, it's less. Than, it's twenty four point. It's twenty four point eight million a year, averaged out over that fifty million. I wonder. Again, who knows? But if it's fifty million, and he leaves after two years, the Rockies basically paid for him, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, does that? 
I'm not sure how that works, and I'm sure there's contractual legalities that go into these things. But when I was doing the math while we were sitting here talking, I was like, now it could be a wash for St. Louis if he left. I think that my guess is it said fifty million. It very well may be like ten million dollars a year. Yeah, and if those if he opts out, that money won't come. Yeah. Who knows? Again, you're right. We don't know all the details and we may not ever. Like, yeah. Fully and I, know and I'm, I'm completely convinced that's what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do those things. Yeah. I don't, this would not be out here the way it is if it wasn't basically done. I mean, there may be some tinkering around in the edges, but it's, it's done. And this is, you know, the players are excited. Um, the fans i i have not seen this much positivity on twitter in years mm-hmm. um because even like you said i think you even pointed out you know today before all this earlier today we actually had news too in the fact that adam wainwright was coming back for eight million dollars plus of some incentives not the incentives that he had been getting like so many starts or whatever but his normal incentives of winning you know making it into the cy young voting and Silver Slugger and Gold Glove and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that $8 million. And like you said, even there were people complaining about that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, feeling it was maybe, I don't know if they were feeling it was an overpay, feeling like it was, you know, he wasn't going to be worth it, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't much of that, but there was some. I, boy, I'm sure there's somebody out there complaining about taking on the back end of this contract, but I haven't seen them and I don't want to. Um, if you can't be excited about this, at least in the moment, put those ramifications away. Worry about them another day if you want to. But looking at this right now, I mean, there is little the Cardinals could do, legitimately do. I mean, yeah, sure. Trade for Mike Trout. Maybe that's more exciting, but that's not going to happen. Something that they could actually, another move that they could have legitimately made that would have been better than this. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, this is a, this is a crazy 24 hours. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's unreal how it's all went down. I mean, it, we, it's funny. We're 30 minutes into this and I mean, everybody wants to hear about the Aeronado situation, but we haven't really even brought up Wainwright much. Yeah. And Normalina. I mean, and that, that's coming back for what could be the best type farewell tour that, We'll see. Yeah, and 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 that does bring up. We talked about it a little bit. I think with Jeff on the transition, maybe y'all did in the parts I haven't gotten to hear yet. But <clears throat> did was this part of the recruiting push for Wainwright and Molina? Um, again, Yachty hasn't signed yet. I cannot imagine that Yachty won't sign. There's still there's an expectation that he will sign after the Caribbean series is done um, because he can play in that a lot easier if he's a free agent. Um, but, you know, if, if the reports are true, and we saw them earlier this week, that the Cardinals, or that the Padres were one of the teams that was interested in Adam Wainwright, it's got to be difficult for Adam. Adam Wainwright has to go to John Mosellock and say, look, these guys, they're offering me a good contract. They're offering me a chance to go to the World Series or at least go deep into October with a team that they have put together out here that's incredible. What can you do to make me want to stay? And I mean, again, I don't think the money, 
obviously uh, Wainwright said that, you know, there were teams that offered him more money. I think he needed money to be maybe somewhat comparable, but he wanted to come back to St. Louis. But, you know, as he said in today's Zoom call, he wants to win. And it had to be, I mean, yeah, the Cardinals might have won the National League Central um, if he was, you know, signing. Um, but they weren't going to go very far. And so that would have been difficult for, I think, for him to turn down one more chance of, of a deep run. Unless John Mosley, like said, look, we're getting close on here. Um, and that might have been enough to push him over the top. Now, maybe that's, as I said in today's post, creating a narrative that doesn't exist. Um, but it kind of feels like it would be it very well could be true. Well, a lot of signs point to that the players knew. You know, we've talked about that already. And uh, I, I will say this. I don't know if anybody listened to it. I wouldn't necessarily say that that he was pointing toward a Colorado deal, but Matt Holiday made some interesting comments about a big splash coming. And you know, a lot of times he can be super positive. He's a great follow. He's a great he's great on the radio. But he kind of said something. He said, and he goes, "Mo and Mister Dewitt have something up their sleeve," along those lines. So I'm I'm sure that the uh, that these things were out there, and that may have been used to seal the deal. I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that. There's probably a um, – the Cardinals were probably going to let Molina play in this series regardless. You know, that at this right. point, you know, he's a – you know, soon to be a 40-year-old catcher. The Puerto Rico means a lot to him. Uh, it's his brother's team. I'm sure that, that this has probably been in, in the works for a while and that he's been probably kept abreast of this, uh, of this no, uh, Arenado move as well. Well, I mean, what? Yeah, Wayne Wright said that he talked to Molina yesterday. Um, you know, when Yachty was in full uniform outside of the dugout yeah. in the Caribbean. <laughs> I mean, you know, probably calling him, telling him he was about to sign, and you know, it, surely, yeah, he knows that this is coming. Um, it's uh, it's crazy to to think that that's that that's where we're at now. Um, and you know, also. You talk about Matt Holiday. Uh, you know Matt Holiday has a uh, a podcast that talks about Christianity and faith with his wife, and they have guests on. And I think the fifth or sixth one was Nolan Arnado. Mm. Arnado, Nolan, um, and you know the connection that he has that those two have, Holiday and Nolan. Um, you know, it was a mentor type relationship and you know, there is no better ambassador for St. Louis than, than Matt holiday. Um, and so there, I feel like between, you know, that push there, the fact that apparently he's good friends with Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I think this whole, or, you know, there's been, and, and I, and he's made comments, Nolan's made comments about wanting to be in St. Louis. You know, this all felt like he really this is where he wants to be. I think there's a lot of people that he's really, let's put it this way. He's very excited and very interested in being in St. Louis. Will a year or two change his mind? Um, maybe, but I, I feel like, especially when you get fans in the stands, I mean, Cardinal fans, Cardinal fans can seal some deals. Yeah. I, I, I tell you. you know, we remember Mark McGuire had no intention of staying in St. Louis and got about two standing ovations <laughs> in his first game and signed a contract extension like a week later. Um, I I think when you play in front of those fans and not that Colorado has necessarily been, they're not been a Miami where you haven't had anybody in the stands, but it's not 
40,000 on a July night either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's, you know, it says a lot when there's that 35 plus on a Tuesday night when school's still in, you know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, it's, it's impressive. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it can seal the deal. I mean, I, I'm trying not to look too far ahead. I would be surprised if he was to, you know, yeah, use the opt out. I mean, I yeah. really would. So I, I, I think so as well. Um, best trade to know that, uh, Mo's made. I mean, it goes a long way back with that. I mean, and, and again, I'm assuming Mo makes this trade. I don't know. I still don't know exactly where Mike Gersh fits into all this kind of stuff. I'm sure he had some hands in this. Ah, uh, yeah. This is probably but, a team effort. Uh, yeah. The, uh, uh, gosh, yes. I want to, I want to rival it with holiday, but holiday was another one of those guys that you felt was kind of penciled in here before he was here. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. feels the same. Uh, you know, I always I always have to remember because I forget that Holiday came from Oakland. Oh yeah, yeah, Colorado. yeah. I always feel like he came straight from Colorado. I forget he spent like that two months in Oakland. That was so bad he never wanted to go back. Exactly. Well, that was the uh, that was the uh, the, the kind of similar to the Roland contract deal. Is the Rockies knew they wouldn't be able to afford him, made that trade, and then uh, you know Cardinals rolled the dice like they did with Goldschmidt. Um, so yeah, it's funny when a deal is so big that you forget about Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> coming on board two years ago, you know, and where that trade went and what they had to give up for it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be up there. I mean, it, it, it has to be everywhere. This felt too good to be true. Holiday kind of felt like a, a slam dunk that you knew it, it would end up eventually. And I kind of hope it takes that same path. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Good. I see uh, Jeff Jones tweeted out a while back. I missed this one. Um, his understanding is that Nolan has a pre-existing relationship with Yadier Molina and the two have long discussed the possibility of Nolan playing for the Cardinals. If that is true, and I have no indication that it is not, um, I think that's another indication that Yadier's you know, coming back, which again, I think we all kind of assume, especially by this point. Um, what do you, uh, let's, uh, before we, and I know we're going extremely long, but you know, blockbuster trades like this don't happen very often, as we all know. Let's take a little—I uh, don't know—victory lap, maybe. What do you think Cub fans are thinking? Well, I you know? uh, so on my uh, group feed, uh, one of my uh, group texts. There's four of us, and three of us are big Cardinals fans, and one's a big Cubs fan. And his response was a retweet from somebody that said, the Cardinals just got Nolan Arenado and the Cubs are talking to Jeff Samarja. <laughs> that tells you anything. It's kind of wall up the Jock Peterson deal today. Let's put it that way. And, and that, I mean, that, that's got to stink. I mean, I, I feel it's one of those to where I, I kind of feel like Milwaukee has something as, as well up their sleeve, but nothing to this, to this size. But uh, the rest of the division has to be thinking, okay, they were the sleeping giants this whole time and they finally struck that we've expected them to do the last two or three years. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, not only do you shoot to the top of the National League Central, I mean, you're one of the better teams in the National League, hands down now. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, I I hate to put too much sure. on this, sure. but I think you're right. I mean, assuming... Assuming that the pitching is the way we expect it to be. And again, I expect that KK will take a step back, but I also expect Jack Flaherty will step take a step forward. And I got to think 
as as much of a competitor as Jack Flaherty is, these kind of moves, yeah. this kind of move is just going to fire him up. He's been uh, the most vocal. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. I mean, whether that's through gifts or not, but that's what he's doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got his gift game going. You know? uh, there's, there's no doubt. Um, but, you know, wow. And if, you know, the bullpen is is like it can be, I mean, and it goes those guys, you know, if, if Alex Reyes takes that extra step or yeah, Mrs. Cabrera finds a little bit of control or, I mean, this isn't going to be a team that's going to rival 2004. But it may be, it has a chance to be, I think, the best overall team since that 2004-2005 team. I mean, is it better than 2015? They won 100 games that year, but they did it mainly on, on pitching. We haven't seen an offense especially like this, what this could be since, since the, probably the Pujols left. Yeah. So, and well, and if you get, let's put it this way. If you get, if Arenado matches Carpenter's numbers from 2015, you're going to be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting where this team, and again, it's, it's hard to rank a team that hasn't played yet. Yeah against these teams that have played. But the enthusiasm is so high. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, that's what you got to, you got to do. All right. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that we're going to be able to talk about um, with this going forward. Um, You know, obviously we'll be with you next week. Um, Our guest for next week is uh, Mike Mitchell, who has written a book called Mr. Ricky's Redbirds. So we'll be talking a little bit, we're talking about that book with him. Um, it's an interesting book. You can find it on Amazon. I'm pretty sure you can also, uh, I think he's got a website, but you can find him on Twitter at Ricky's Redbirds. So find that it's really good. So about 150 to 275 pages into it, real good history of the Cardinals. So we'll be talking to him next week, but obviously we'll be continuing to, to talk about the ramifications of this trade and, and everything else as we start to f- get really finally excited about the 2021 season. So, Until next week, I'm Daniel. That's Alan. Good night. Good night. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals.